Well, hello, this is the Trophy Room, a.k.a. Trophy Room Radio, a.k.a. the best way to work through your Wednesday. I know we had no show last week, so I had to go through this whole jumping through hoops where, to make a long story short, I did I didn't have a laptop last week, and I also didn't have a microphone, but I did get new wireless microphones for Christmas so that I can do interviews and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So I'm using that right now. So I appreciate you rocking with me, checking up this week, even though we didn't have a show last week. Plus it was the holidays. I had just flown cross country. I was a little exhausted, didn't have any equipment. Um, and even still, we're, we're, we're going the getaway today. I'm having to do all of the putting together and all of the audio through my phone. And I don't even know how this is going to work right now as I'm presently recording it. But we're just going to see. We're just going to rock with it and vibe it and we'll find out what happens. But as always, thank you so much for hanging out. Happy holidays. Happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is that you celebrate. I hope that you got time to just chill, relax, and kind of get away from the craziness of the world. And enjoy the wonderful NFL that we had last week. It was so dope. I don't know if you guys noticed or saw. You You must have. But... It was cool to have it kind of flip-flopped where all of the games were on Saturday because of Christmas and then only the Christmas games on Christmas. I thought it was super dope. We do have a little bit of new news before we get into our rundown for today, which I'm really excited about. So we have a new friend of mine who's committed to doing social media and I'm and helped me with it, I guess. He's not going to be doing it all on his own. So that'll be really cool. Also... We have new music, like I told you. One of my one of my best friends, he and his wife, they 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 do a little music together, and they decided not to do it as a profession, even though both of them really like it. But uh, yeah, so he's working on something for us. I'm really excited about that. And then the last piece of news is that we do have a new sponsor whose merch I am rocking right now. You guys saw the Instagram post last week, um, so I have a promo code right now and as soon as we get the deal worked out for my revenue percentage we will drop that which should come next year and then if school works out the way it's supposed to only have class tuesday thursday and we have a new studio that we can use on fridays so we may be doing a a three day a weeker with trophy i'm telling you 2023 23 the jordan year that is the year that jordan that uh not jordan trophy room brand is blowing up i Okay, today we have a legend in the NFL who just told us whether he'll be hanging up his cleats this season, and another legend who just confirmed this is his final season, and what does that have to say about his team? We have a tale of two quarterbacks with young stars shining and flopping, and we will get ready for the college football playoffs. And finally, we will visit the NFL playoff picture with three weeks to go. That is all coming up here on the Trophy Room. Speaking of coming up, you know we are sponsored by the good people over at Jim Candy. So head over to JimCandyGummies.com as well as their socials on Instagram and TikTok. Go and test out the product that is revolutionizing the pre-workout market. Also, like I said earlier, there's a ton of you. Like I, at, at first, this just started with my family and relatives listening to this. And now we're having, we're getting to quite a few listeners and there's, it's obvious that I don't know all of you. So what I, what I would love is if you're someone that I don't know personally, if I don't know who you are, please go ahead and find me on Instagram at B hammer time with an extra E B the letter B hammer time with two E's at the end instead of one. 
and give me a message just because I, I, I would love uh, to see that and talk to you guys. Okay, shout outs. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's another thing. That's my New Year's resolution for you guys. I just, every time I get on here, my greatest weakness is that I always think I'm going to hop on and then never have enough to say. And the issue ends up being, as you know, that I have too much to say. And I'll take a topic about why Tua Tagovailoa clipping his fingernails with fingernail clippers instead of toenail clippers means that he's an irrelevant quarterback. And I'll take that topic for 25 minutes. So the New Year's resolution be powerful, be quick, and just keep everything on track. And usually when you have a co-host, that's helpful. But we don't because it's just me. So just quick shout-outs. I started growing a beard, which I've never done. Most of you who know me probably have no idea what that even looks like and because usually it's pretty patchy. But I'm really jealous because my dad grows a beard really well and my brother grows a real beard really well. And so I wanted to try it because I can't grow one at BYU because – they won't let you for some very, very odd reason. So there's that. And then other shout-outs. Um, if you're looking new shows to watch, which I'm sure you are, I always am. Like I, I've started to go back. I've watched Suits for probably the third or fourth time back now because it's that good. But my other New Year's resolution is to stop watching old shows. I've watched How I Met Your Mother a million times, watched New Girl a million times. So new two new shows that are both really good. If you like thrillers and action and stuff, The Recruit, it's on Netflix. I don't even really know how to describe it to you other than it's this this kid who's a little bit of an adrenaline junkie because his dad passes away, and so he ends up becoming a lawyer, and instead of going the corporate route, he decides to work for the CIA, which... And he's again, he's a lawyer, he's not an agent, but ends up. It's very cool the way that they introduce like this deep, dark side of the CIA to the regular human being who has no idea how this thing even works. Okay. And then Jack Ryan, not Jack Reacher, Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. John Krasinski does an incredible job. You can tell that they have a massive budget for this show. I mean, it's just. It's a very deep, but not too deep, like political action thriller. And again, it's not like your typical, just like Tom Cruise, secret agent, shoot him up, like starts out as a financial analyst, ends up running into this terrorist and, and he can't really find anyone who believes him about it. And so he ends up shaking him down on his own. And then season two and season three, season three just came out. It's incredible. Go watch all of those shows. 10 out of 10 recommend. All right, first deal. And while we're speaking about side effects, for some reason, the laptop that I found to use, my mom's laptop, it just, uh, I moved to like 10 different places in the house now, and it won't connect to the internet. Oh, just kidding. Now it's connecting back and it's refreshing all of my pages, but then it disconnected. So we're going to have a little bit of fun today. And then once we get back, not next week, but the week afterwards, we have all the equipment and the laptop and everything, everything will run smoothly. So uh, I feel like the theme of today's show is going to be coaching. And it might not be as powerfully talked about as it should be 
might not be as prevalent and as it should be in the words that I'm speaking, but it's definitely factual. And it was funny because coming into the season, one of Andy's biggest critiques of the show, super fan, Uncle Andy, was that we didn't we didn't give enough credit to coaching. We put everything on the players. And I was listening to Emmanuel Sanders the other day on NFL, or he was on uh, The Herb with Colin Coward. And he was saying the exact same thing that I was saying, where he said he felt like, and he's the guy who played in the league. This is not coming from me. This guy who played in the league. And he said that he felt like for a lot of these games, for his entire career, like he felt like it was, if you put guys in the right position, then they'll be successful. Irrespective of how the coaching is. Like you just let the players go and do that job. And if the job doesn't get done, it's because the players didn't do it. And I'm starting to come around on this idea that coaching is key. So we just saw, if you didn't see yesterday, Denver Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett has officially been axed. Hackett axed in Denver. And there's a lot of confusion, a lot of people up in arms because some people believe, no, this is Russell Wilson's fault. And Russell Wilson needs to be the one who's out in Denver. Now, a lot of people are still upset with Nathaniel Hackett, but people want to put most of the blame on Russell Wilson. And I would be inclined to agree with you, but you got to save money where you can. And they can't get rid of Russell Wilson because A, nobody wants to trade for him. When you come off, like when you're, you're, you're connected to a trade that's that bad, nobody wants to come pick you up and sell you out. I don't know that there's... I, like I feel like this season, Russell Wilson is the Russell Westbrook of the NFL where incredibly gifted athlete has had an illustrious career, but nobody's coming for him. And the team who has him needs somebody to get him, just give them anything for him, and nobody wants to. I actually don't think, having gone back and watched the Broncos game from Sunday or Saturday, I don't believe, or sorry, it was Sunday, when uh, when Baker Mayfield balled out. And look, I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. Let's not go around acting like Baker absolutely was balling on a budget last week in L.A. I think he completed 80% of his passes, I want to say, in that game against the Broncos. And look, Russell Wilson turned the football over a lot. But he also made a lot of plays. I think the issue in Denver is this. I think Nathaniel Hackett didn't know what he was doing because he was a first-year head coach coming in with a bunch of young guys who need a lot of direction. Jerry Judy needs a lot of direction. This defense needs a lot of direction. As young and talented as they are, they all need a lot of help. And Nathaniel Hackett wasn't the guy to do it, obviously. I think Russell Russell Wilson, I apologize, is having to learn that the grass is not always greener. Like we just saw James Harden the other day. I think it was Sunday or Saturday, and there's a report that comes out that he's he's uh, considering a return to Houston. To me, if you, everywhere you go, are complaining about where you've been, and you're just in the interest of leaving, even so much that you would go back to the first toxic relationship that you were in that you claimed was so terrible... That lets me know that you're just the type of person who will always see the grass as greener. It doesn't matter where you're at. And I think Russell Wilson, look, there are some people in life who they live their entire lives 
in their parents' house until they're 25. Like they go to college from their parents' house and there's nothing wrong with that. But the issue is the first time you get a job on the other side of the country or your wife or husband says, hey, I have a job on the other side of the country. We have to go. It's a culture shock. It is a significant adjustment. It's not just that you were living at your parents' house. It's not that you just you didn't have to pay rent or food or live a lot of these typical lifestyle deals. It's that it's it's legitimately a culture shock. Like you're living in a new place. You don't have the same coaches that you had anymore. The house doesn't run the same anymore. You have to figure out the new streets and this and that and the other things that Baker Mayfield's been learning a new offense every single year in the league. Same with Jalen Hurts. Russell Wilson, love it or hate it, has been under the tutelage of Pete Carroll every year he's been in the National Football League. And to be fair, as much as we like to talk down about the Seahawks, they treated Russell Wilson incredibly well. Even when local reporters might tell you that Russell Wilson didn't have the best attitude behind the scenes. So I think Russell Wilson in that department is just having to learn this is not mom and dad's house anymore. This isn't Papa Pete's house anymore. You're going to have to learn a new way to play in the league. And if that new way to play in the league is when you're pushing your 30s, it's not a great look. So I think the Broncos will be fine, but it's also a little concerning that they traded away their best pass rusher in Bradley Chubb. So we'll just have to see where they go from here. I actually do think that the Broncos will be fine. I do agree with some that say it's one of the worst trades in NFL history. I don't think people knew that going into it. There's no way that you knew Russell Wilson was going to be this bad. But I also don't think he's washed. Russell Wilson's not washed. Russell Wilson will go back and have another 35, 4,000-yard season next year or the year after. All right. So we just got news that a man in the NFL has revealed when he's going to retire, and that man is Tom Brady. So it's the holiday season, right? And whether you're Jewish, Christian, whatever holiday you celebrate, agnostic, usually the Christmas season involves everyone getting together as family, right? And one of the things, at least in my house, that we like to do is we get together and play games, whether it's my extended family, my media family, whatever. But y'all know that every, not everyone, but a couple of your siblings, cousins, relatives, whatever, have that one game that they're honestly no fun to play with. And we all have that one relative who has that game, and that's all they ever want to play. Whether it's Risk, Settlers of Catan, Uno, whatever it is, for some reason, they're predisposed to just be better at it than anybody else. And usually, they're the only ones that want to play it. But every single person knows here, winning heals all wounds, and winning is a good time. What I'm saying to you is, there's a lot of people who wanted to come at Tom Brady and say, wow, you should have retired because now look what happened to your family. I think it's really easy to tell people what to do when it's not your decision. It's really easy to make decisions in a vacuum, to make decisions with no consequences. So go back to the holiday games analogy. 
You're playing with house money. Tom Brady is the... None of you know, I don't know. None of us know what it's like to be the greatest of all time at something. And not even at something. Maybe the biggest sport in the entire world outside of soccer. Definitely one of the higher paying sports in the world. Like Tom Brady's literally playing with house money because he's as soon as, as soon as he got a starting job in this league, he's never not been the best at it. And to me, how if any of us even had any kind of inkling of what it was like to be the greatest of all time at something, I think then maybe it would be worth our argument to say, well, you should have done this with your family, shouldn't have done this, should have done this. But again, go back to anything that you've ever been good at or any game you're really good at. You just want to keep on playing because you want to keep on winning and keep on dominating other people. And what I would say is Tom Brady already lost his family. Now what does he have to go back to? So Tom Brady said a couple interesting things recently. He said, first off, on his podcast, he said, I think next time I decide to retire, that's it for me. So whenever that day comes, we'll figure it out. But then just prior to that podcast that he released in press conference, he was asked uh, whether he sees himself leaving the NFL anytime in the future. And he said, quote, I really don't. I think what I realized last year was you've got to be really sure to do that. And for me, you know, a lot of people have kind of gone through this situation. I'm going to take my time whenever that time does come. I don't think that there's any time Tom Brady's leaving before he goes and tries something else. I think that something else is Tampa Bay. Because if you're getting the greatest of all time for free, and probably not having to pay him that heck that much because A, he's smart with his money, B, he doesn't overcompensate, and C, he has like a lifetime deal at Fox with the amount of money that they're paying him as soon as he gets out of the league. So he doesn't need that much money. And you now have three quarterbacks that somebody will take. Someone will take Trey Lance. And maybe you want to keep him, but somebody will take Jimmy Garoppolo. Someone will take Brock Purdy. So you decide. You want to keep Brock Purdy, you keep Trey Lance. Either one, you keep one of those, you deal Jimmy G, and you deal the other one in that deal. And now you have Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady, what does he love? Tom Brady and Kyle Shanahan are a match made in heaven. Now, might they butt heads a little bit with the attitude and everything as such? Probably. But you can't tell me they're not two of the most smart, most smartest two of the more intelligent offensive minds in the National Football League, in the history of the National Football League. And what does Kyle Shanahan love? He loves somebody who's smart, who's an adult, and doesn't mess up the play. What does Tom Brady not do? Doesn't mess up the play, and he's not a child. They're a perfect fit. And Rob Gronkowski the other day, when asked about if he's going to come back and play another season in the NFL, he he said, I'm not playing this season. I think there was something a little bit weird going on in Tampa. I think they didn't love Bruce Arians, but I think they loved even less a first-year head coach with a bunch of new pieces and the coaching that can't overcome that. And so Rob said, I, I don't need this, especially if I know that Tom's about to take us home to San Francisco. Would not shock me at all. Look, if Tom's not retiring and this is his last year in Tampa because it's the last year on his deal, where else would he go other than San Francisco? Tua, Tua, Tua. 
So I've been riding the Tua Hay train for a while, as you all know. And we have news yesterday that Tua is in concussion protocol once again. And it feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like this is the third time this season where we get news that Tua has taken a significantly demoralizing hit to the head. So we had the one against the Bengals. I think it was, the other one was against the Bills, their first game of the season. And then we have this one from Sunday against the Packers. There's two. I, I really am conflicted here with this, y'all, because I don't love Tua Tagovailoa. I don't think he's great at football. He ruined the year 2017 and pretty much every subsequent year after that for what they did in the national championship to me. But I'm not in favor of anyone ruining their lives or career. And I think Tua may go down the Andrew Luck route to say, look, I got years left, but this trajectory, this bell curve that we're on where I've hit my injury peak that most guys hit at the end of their career, I've hit it two, three years in. I just don't know if it's worth it for Tua Tagovailoa to continue to play football. If every single week, look, some guys can take hits better than others. The other thing is this, and I don't know if a lot of you know this, maybe you do, but the way your brain works is there, there's, <clears throat> there's a gel in between your brain and your skull. That keeps your brain in place. Keeps it from moving around and rattling. But sometimes when your brain gets your head gets hit hard enough, your brain moves that gel. And sometimes your brain touches your skull. That's concussion. Once you move that gel, your brain and your head are more disposed to concussions because there's more movement involved. That gel isn't holding in as well. And look, Tua looked bad against the Packers. Chalk it up to interceptions. Chalk it up to uh, chalk it up to the injury and the concussion, maybe. But it's not worth it. Look, it, it, it maybe we're making too much ado about nothing, and maybe the concussions aren't as bad as we think they are, and we're just being safe and taking precautions, which I'm down with. But it seems to me that every guy in this league gets hit at the quarterback position and Tua is taking on more water than anybody else. You realize the last three drives of that game for the Dolphins all ended in interceptions. Now, again, you can say maybe he was already concussed at that point. But either way, you're making the point. I think Tua may need to be done with football. The flip side of that is we want to give Brian Dable all this credit for what he's done with Saquon Barkley and pretty much nothing else because he's made Daniel Jones look like an absolute god. Okay? If we're going to do that, then let's give uh, Mike McDaniel the same courtesy because Daniel Jones and Tua Tagovailoa essentially the same quarterback. Except Daniel Jones is more athletic, which is very surprising to all of us. That dude has an 89 speed in Madden. Malik Willis is a 90. Just to put that in perspective for you. 
But the things that Mike McDaniel has done with this team now, it helps when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the same team. And to give them credit, wide receivers are notoriously known for being the diva, for being the money grab, for needing to have all of the attention and the offense flow through them. You watch the way those two play football. They are a tag team at wide receiver, like a true tag team. The way they run other guys down to block, the way they run with each other into the end zone, it's incredible. The unity on this team is wild, and also their run game is insane. So let's give Mike McDaniel some credit. All right, college football playoff, because that's, that's the next big story, right? I feel like we all think that Michigan is just going to run through TCU, even though all of us want TCU to be the Cinderella story. And we'll see how that goes. But the story that you're really watching for is the uh, – what's, what's the phrase? Uh, an unstoppable object meets an immovable force. An unstoppable object meets an immovable force. I think that's what it is. That's what we have here with Georgia and Alabama. Georgia and Ohio State. Sorry, I'm just so predisposed to getting blasted by Alabama that I uh, I have assumed that. My bad. So, that's the storyline we're watching, right? We have this first-round draft pick in C.J. Stroud. We have this one-year legend in Marvin Harrison. And an Ohio State defense that seemingly won't quit. But you also have Georgia's defense. So let, let's let's start here. So every offense that Georgia has played this season, every offense, except for LSU, their yards per play are lower when they play Georgia than than their season average. So obviously that means Georgia's defense is legit against everyone that they played. The issue with Ohio State is everyone who played Ohio State had a better they their their yards per play were better on average against Ohio State than they were the rest of the season. Meaning even even Toledo was on par with their yards per play against Ohio State. Wisconsin was just under. The only other team who was under was Northwestern. Penn State, the same. Michigan, the same. Maryland, the same. Notre Dame, the same. Wisconsin, the same. Toledo, the same. Most people, when they play Ohio State, they don't struggle with that defense. And if if this was just about Ohio State's offense... Georgia's defense, then I'd give it to you. But Georgia put up a 50-piece on LSU in that title game. And I feel like the theme for Georgia for the past five years has been, look, they don't have to play offense because the defense does it for them. And there's truth to that. But this team's a little bit different. you got the Brock Bowers of the world. you got a left tackle at tight end in Darnell Washington. Uh, Their receivers are probably going to finally be healthy for this game. So, Georgia stifled everyone that they've played this season. Everyone 
has had a lower yards per play against Georgia than they did the rest of their season. Significantly. And the other issue is, C.J. Stroud's legs don't scare you the same way that Hendon Hooker's did. Which is going to be the key to beating this Georgia defense. And I think C.J. Stroud's going to get a couple plays to the outside. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to slow down this Georgia offense who's seventh in yards per play and was first for the first half of the season. And Georgia's outplayed every defense that they've competed with this season. Every Georgia's had a higher yards per play than their average against every team they played this season, which essentially means that they've just gotten better every single game. That's to say, I think this game might end up being a little bit of a, a chopping block. The first half, meaning like a 10-7, 10-3 game. And then I kind of think in the second half, late third quarter, early fourth, the breaks are just going to fall off. The other hard part that you have to remember about this is that George gets to play this game an hour from home. This is in Atlanta, which I'll tell you was full of dogs fans. That being said, I think Georgia locks this one up against Ohio State. They go on to the national title game where I think they're going to play TCU. Or uh, Michigan, I apologize. So TCU runs a lot of 3-3-5. And 3-3-5 is fun if you can blitz the right way. They do a really great job of getting to the quarterback. But Michigan does an incredible... Michigan is very similar to Georgia. Or old Georgia. Where even without Blake Corum, they run the football incredibly well. Which should be worrying if you're TCU. Because what Ohio State had to do was they had to run a ton of man coverage and a ton of man blitzes to slow down this run game. But then Cornelius, maybe it's, I can't remember if Cornelius' is first name or last name, I apologize, to the Michigan receiver. But he torched that man coverage with a post route like two or three times. And let's be honest about TCU. As much as we love TCU and the Cinderella story that Max Duggan is, they give up a lot of points. And they're in a lot of come-from-behind win situations. And I'm just not sure that that, that come-from-behind mentality is going to play out well against Michigan. So I think we're going to have a rematch of our first-round playoffs last season of Georgia-Michigan in the national title game. And if that's the case, I think we are in for a mirror image matchup, but one that will go down in the history books because we'll have the Big Ten SEC uh title narrative which we all love aka me all right next deal let's go ahead and look at our nfl playoff picture and fortunately look at this my wi-fi is working so i can actually pull it up and look okay so here's how this works if the playoffs ended today bills would have the one seed chiefs would have the two seed Bengals three seed jacksonville would have the four seed T-Law is legit, y'all. Baltimore would be the five seed. The Chargers would be the six seed. And the Dolphins would be the seven seed in the AFC. Playoffs ended today in the NFC. Eagles would have the one seed, which they would clinch if they win this weekend. 
They'd go to 14-2 if they win this weekend, clinch the first round by. The Vikings would get the two seed. 49ers would get the three seed. And Bucks would get the four seed. Cowboys, five seed. Giants, six seed. And Commanders, seven seed. Dude, the NFC, I remember we came into the season thinking we didn't know who was going to be good in the NFC. And Luke and I both predicted that it would be Eagles. Vikings would be better than people thought. I didn't know the 49ers would be this good. I certainly did not think that the the Rams would be this bad and that the NFC East would be this dominant. It's so wild to think about what we thought coming into the season and where we actually ended up. So the fun thing about this is I believe if, yeah, so if the playoffs ended today, the Bengals would play the Chargers. And I'm just not sure with as bad as the Bengals' offensive line is, you get Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack attacking Joe Burrow. That's going to be a fun game. I'm not sure that that is a matchup that Cincinnati wants any part of because that's a sneaky team. And as much crap as everyone wants to give the Chargers, they're 9-6. They're second in the AFC West. They've clinched the playoffs. It's not like last year. They're, like, they're improved from last year. Granted, they have a bit of roster than they did last year, but the coaching is still subpar. And I hope Brandon Saley gets fired because Brandon Saley is holding Justin Herbert back. But the NFC South is still is up, still is up for grabs. The AFC South is also no longer up for grabs, but the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't guaranteed a spot because... Right now, we have one, two, three, four, six teams that are seven and eight. Sorry, five teams that are seven and eight. Dolphins are eight and seven. But Patriots, Jets, and Dolphins, they all still have a way to get into this playoffs. Titans could also still get in. Granted, I don't know how that'll play out with the Titans, but basically the only teams that that really can't get in are the Raiders at 6-9. and nine. They still statistically could. The only teams eliminated are the Texans, the Bears, the Cardinals, the Broncos, the Colts, the Falcons, the Rams, and the Browns. Speaking of the Colts, so... In the hiatus that we took, the Colts went ahead and gave up the largest comeback in NFL history, which we saw, we loved, it was incredible, right? And I watched that game. I turned it off at half because I thought there was no possible way. I did think it was the most deceptive 33-0 game of all time, but I didn't really think that there was any way the Vikings could come back from it, and obviously I was wrong. And I, I am a, at my place of employment, I'm a big Jeff Saturday guy. Everybody knows that. And there were a bunch of guys asking me, like, following this game, do you think Jeff Saturday keeps his job? I said, I believe Jeff Saturday should keep his job, but I don't know that he will. And I think I might be wrong. Because Jim Ursay was on... Uh, I think it was Monday Night Countdown on ESPN. And 
He said that Jeff Saturday is an outstanding candidate. He said he won't make a final decision on the Colts head coaching position until after a full interview process. But Chris Ballard will remain the general manager going forward. But he, he thinks that Jeff Saturday is going to be an outstanding candidate for the head coaching job, the full-time head coaching job. Which, again, look, sometimes you get a job because of who you know, not what you know. And I, I do think that, that Jeff Saturday is incredible. I think he's playing with a terrible hand and he's making do. Look, he has Nick Foles, Matt Ryan, and Tim Ellinger. And we saw Nick Foles get rolled out last week. It was terrible against the Chargers on Monday night. The Colts have probably one of the worst rosters in the NFL offensively. I hate to say it, but it's true. And I think a lot of it starts with the quarterback. Look, I think Michael Pittman and um, that white kid who plays receiver for the Colts and then Paris Campbell, I think they could all be mediocre if the quarterback was solid. And I know that a lot of Colts fans want them to go out and get Will Levis from Kentucky because he's a very Midwest kind of guy. He fits the mold. And Jeff Saturday has coached good games for the Colts. They almost beat the Eagles. This Colts roster just isn't designed to succeed, and it's significant that that Jim Irsay, the the owner of the Colts, is saying that Jeff Saturday could keep this job. Because I think that he should. I actually think that the Colts are better off with him as opposed to going out and get some guy that you don't know, who doesn't know offensive line, who doesn't love the Colts, the way that Jim that uh, Jeff Saturday does, but also you could make the argument that that is maybe what blinds him to getting done what he needs to, and I would believe that. I would listen to that. All right, as as you all know, well, maybe you don't all know. I remember, and maybe a lot of you do as well. The first time my parents ever, one of the first times my parents ever raised their voice at me. And there's some parents who say you shouldn't raise your voice at your kids at all. There's some parents who say you should yell at your kids all the time. But I definitely remember times having their voices raised at me. And the first couple of times, like, I definitely cried as a little kid. But then after that, you grow up a little bit, right? You build up a little bit of a tolerance. And you realize that just because you're yelled at doesn't necessarily mean you're bad at what you're doing. It means you need to do it better, but it doesn't mean that you're inherently flawed. And I think a lot of kids get yelled at for the first time when after they've, they're out of the house. Because when your parents yell at you, they still get opportunities to show you they love you after that. And so it, it leads you to this idea of, okay, I'm not inherently flawed. But I have places to improve. The first time you get yelled at cannot be outside of your house. Because you don't have that, that time to build a foundation of, I'm not inherently flawed just because I get yelled at. The first time Zach Wilson's getting yelled at is outside of his house. The first time he's getting yelled at is by the New York media and the New York Jets fans. 
I know we're a little late to the party here. It's been almost a week. But Zach Wilson was terrible on Thursday night football against the Jaguars. Completed 50% of his passes for 92 yards and an interception with a 41.9 passer rating. And he got benched for not Mike White, not Joe Flacco. He got benched by the one and only, the man who I think, honestly, and maybe it's just because he's in a Jets uniform, think he body-wise looks like uh, Tim Tebow. That would be Chris Strievler. And look, I told my girlfriend this the other day. She said, who did Zach get benched for? I said, girl, I have no idea. I don't know who Chris Strievler is, Strievler, but I sure as heck should because he was incredible. Chris Strevler, in his, that same game where he played less time than Zach Wilson, where Zach Wilson was not injured, just benched, Chris Strevler passed for 90 yards, completing 67% of his passes with an 82.6 pass rating. Now, no one's arguing that it's incredible, but we are arguing that's just as good, if not better, than what Zach did because you have a higher completion percentage, less interceptions, and a higher pass rating. And... He ran the ball more effectively than Zach did. Zach got booed in that game, and that shook him because he's never been yelled at before. He's never not been told, you are God's gift to earth. Zach Wilson seems to play quarterback like a video game where he's more successful just running around dancing than he is doing anything else. And at BYU, there were no other options. They had to stick with him because – he committed to them, and also they really had nothing else to go to at quarterback. In the NFL, it's different than college. But the other thing that sucks about Zach is this is the second time now that you've not been able to work, and you're and and uh, the employee underneath of you had to step in and did just as good as you, and that's how you lose your job. And this is the second time now. Well, the third time really, because Joe Flacco did it to begin the season. More successful than Zach. Mike White has done it in the interim of Zach Wilson. More successful than Zach. And Chris Streveler did it because the New York fans were so unhappy with him that he got pulled as the starter because he was getting booed in his own house. And you can see in the way that Zach approaches the podium now that he's afraid. He's a little bit scared. He's very timid. He's not very confident. He's saying better things than he was three, four weeks ago because he said we didn't do anything on offense. I would agree with that. But the fact that Zach has played this bad and your quarterback turnover has been this much and that you're still viable to make a playoff spot says a lot about Robert Sala and this defense who deserve all of the credit in the world. I'm not sure... After this, if Zach Wilson will ever play football anywhere else in the NFL. I could genuinely see Zach Wilson playing out the rest of his contract. Maybe signing a one-year deal somewhere else. But look, we thought Zach, we thought Sam Darnold wasn't the answer. Sam Darnold looks like a hero compared to Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson, after this may not ever play a significant game of football ever again. The last deal we have is 
J.J. Waddington and the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of guys are taking this as an opportunity to go back and relive the glory days of J.J. Watt, and I certainly love that. We did that a lot with when Calvin Johnson got inducted into the Hall of Fame last year. I love me some J.J. Watt. We don't understand, I don't think, what we had with prime J.J. Watt with. I'll never forget the the pick six against the Lions or on Thanksgiving or I think it was a pick six against the Titans or any of his uh, pre-games mic'd up. We didn't understand what we had with Prime J.J. Watt, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, one of the greatest motors of all time. But I think he's seeing a little bit of, and I, and I think it's different with J.J. Watt, but the opposite of what Tom Brady decided to do, which no one's right or wrong, but I do think it's the opposite because there was a clip, um, the Cardinals game on Sunday, where J.J. Watt and his beautiful wife and uh, he's in his uniform on the field, and she hands him their child. And it's this really beautiful video. It's really incredible. But I think JJ's realizing, look, I'm injured. And there might not be anything left to play for in Arizona. Because mommy and daddy are fighting all the time. Kyler Murray got paid, so he has to stay. Because nobody's going to trade for that, and they're not going to cut him. And Cliff Kingsbury is also going to be gone soon. And J.J. Watt realizes, look, I have a life after this. I pray J.J. Watt goes into broadcasting. But there is no future here in Arizona because this team has no future. He joined this team because he thought they were gearing up to win a Super Bowl. They're not. There is nothing left to see in Arizona. And that's why that's why JJ Watt has said at the end of this year they're retiring. Cuz there's no way that they could pull anything out of the bag, especially when your culture and your communication is that toxic. So I'm grateful for JJ Watt. I pray that we don't lose him. I don't think that we will. And uh it's been an incredible incredible uh season we've we've gotten to witness with JJ Watt with the come up with the story about selling pizza while while trying to get into the University of Wisconsin incredible story but it tells you everything you need to know about the Arizona Cardinals that's my time people we're going to see if I can figure out Hopefully I didn't go the way there. I don't know what's going on with this, but uh, we have a little bit of technical difficulties. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for coming back and checking out. Even though we didn't have a show last week, we will have a show next week. Assuming I can get this worked out and uh, cheers. Whoa.